Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Generation Gap Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM in St Albans. We hope you enjoy it. 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. This is the Generation Gap presented by me, Claudia, and him, Clive. Hello. In this programme, we are going to explore differences and similarities of being a teenager now and in past generations. I am a 21st century girl and Clive is a baby boomer. That is a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s. What are the differences and similarities in the way that we live our lives? We are going to try and find out. This is the Generation Gap Show on 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. Yeah, hello, good evening, welcome to the Generation Gap Show here with me, Clive, and not with Claudia, despite that introduction. Um, I've got a new guest millennial this week, so I'd like to welcome Gemma. Hello, Gemma. Hello. And uh, Gemma, so... Tell us a few things about yourself quickly. I mean, you are a millennial, we've just worked out. Yes, um, so I'm 20 years old. Um, I live lived in St Albans all my life and um, I have just started this year running my own business called Every Canine Active. Um, and that's what impresses me, you see, some mm. somebody your age running your own business. So, Gemma, now you started, you did mention that you have basically started your own business at the age of 20, which is quite impressive, I think. And um, I'd like to hear about how you sort of got to that idea. You, um, you obviously were at school and you were at a well-known girls' school in St Albans, I believe. Yes, I went to St Albans Girls' School. Right. Um, and yeah i mean i i started off along the idea of going to uni i mean i only last minute joined in because i had a rough patch during sixth form and i kind of uh i kind of gave up on education i'd had enough of it it was stressing me out giving me anxiety um about exams and everything and i just felt like all of the love of learning was sucked out of it and i find that that is much a problem these days with education it's all about the exam and not actually learning and learning to enjoy the topic and i think that kind of leads on to what i was saying earlier about um people not really wanting to work anymore they that you know they want the pay but they don't want the um they don't want to do all the hard graft for it because there's no love of doing anything anymore it's just, it's just about earning your money so well obviously some people always have probably just worked for the money and yeah. not really that's not that's just a job rather than a career or sort of as you say mm. an, an interest um but i mean you just said something quite outrageous really i mean i think that obviously you, you've met lots of people you think just don't want to work and aren't really interested i mean I, i'm sure that's right but of course you're doing down your your sort of generation if you say things like oh, that oh well I, I don't mean everyone obviously the, ev- there's always um everyone's different um i just mean you know you ask people oh if you were to start a business like what would you do would you enjoy and i i'm not saying this is for everyone but a lot of people they just they just don't know and then they say something that they like doing you think oh well if we were to start a business we could do this 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 and they go oh that sounds like a lot of work well, of course, that's the message which we all try to get to everybody, mm. um, that you do have to work to benefit from it. Yeah. And it can be fun, absolutely. This is the thing. If you learn to enjoy it and learn to enjoy the journey, um, you, you can really make something. And I think all too often people have it in their head that make it building a business is difficult. And, yeah, it's difficult and it takes a while. But, it, you know, it's not as far from possible as people think it is. I always say, and if you read the history books, you know, Sainsbury's, for example, started with 
John Sainsbury running a market stall in the East End of London. Mm. And Marks and Spencer was very similar. And, um, okay, they're sort of perhaps exceptional in the sense that they're um, still going and they were started out 150 years ago, I think it was. Um, but that does give you an indication, you know, you can build up something quite amazing from a very small beginning. Mm. And in, here in St Albans, I mean, I know a number of the um, people who started out um, in the market, or particularly um, sort of food and drink vendors in the market, who um, started out selling things, you know, on the market stall or from, from a van or something. They've gone on to start having their own cafe, restaurant or so on, and then some of them opened up in the second or third outlet. Yeah. And they started out quite young as well, which is why I'm impressed with, with people doing that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, you can do it, and there's good examples out there. I think the other thing is, of course, the... Um, you need to find people who can kind of uh, have done it before and learn from them. Get yeah. mentors. That's the that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read a report which said that every young person should have a mentor, and of course that's probably quite a big ask to get that arranged. But it is a sort of quite a good idea, and I think many people actually do have someone like you know in, in their family, obviously their yeah, parents, parent, yeah. potentially, or maybe some uncle or something like that who has got some business um, interests and so on. And that's what you really need. Mm. But it is, it is interesting that you think a lot of people aren't really so excited because I found that a lot of people are interested because they've watched it on television, you know, basically The Apprentice or Dragon's Den sort of programmes where mm. they've, they've seen, oh, look, that's a really good idea. He's got a funny-shaped tap he's selling and suddenly he's sold millions of them and made a fortune, that sort of thing. I mean, I'm joking slightly, but, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. It's just something quite small. Mm. Um, but, I mean, in, interesting following from that. Um, I do find, I used to find a lot in school, you know, everyone would be interested in doing a little school business or something like that. And, you know, you'd say, well, this... I'd give an idea, it would be easy, it would be cheap, and you could make money from it. And everyone would be trying to do the hardest thing possible because it's fun and exciting, but it doesn't work. Um, and I think that loads of people don't realise that you should start small and then just take it step by step by step. Loads of people want the name, the logo, the big business, it will all looking good straight away. Website, absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah, everyone wants it all looking great. From the beginning when really when you're first starting out you're not going to have everything you're not going to have the great big car that has all the signage on it and everything else um right that's an interesting thought i mean because again um i've been involved some years now in the the dragon's apprentice competition which is mm -hmm. run in st albans and it's going to happen again for next year um because it missed out this year and of course that does involve um secondary schools it's the uh, year 12s who are involved so yeah. what i call the lower six because i'm old um and basically that's worked really well and i know that a number of the students who were involved in those things in previous years have actually gone on started their own businesses yeah. and um several of them who helped on the project um years ago um, and helped us here have come back and they're now presenters at radio verulam for example oh. and so you know we, we've followed through some people like that and they've, mm. they've it changed their lives i think is absolutely true yeah yeah so anyway your, your business that you set up now did you try other things first or did you know exactly what you wanted to do um so i did go to work for another dog walking company um and i was supposed to have an induction um and it didn't happen um i don't think people were quite organized in in what was going on at the time and um they told me that they took on someone and they didn't um but i then just kind of thought yeah it's going to be hard but i'd rather just do this myself because the the difference between you as the walker and you as the owner is the admin um so i just kind of thought 
And yes, you don't just take a cut of the money, you take all of it. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, okay, because we didn't really mention what you're basically doing is dog walking, but you've actually expanded beyond that to some extent in sort of dog care things, is that right? Um, yeah, so I do dog walking and pet sitting all within clients' homes. Right, but I mean, do you also, I mean, obviously when you're walking a dog or when you're sitting with it at home somewhere, you're sort of observing it and do you come back and say, oh, you know, I think it really needs a bit this bit more exercise or it needs to have a slightly different diet that kind of stuff um yeah you advise the the owners yeah so um i mean obviously you get some owners that are very much um on top of everything they leave you lists and all sorts um to get on with everything and they're very helpful um but then you get the other clients that you know maybe don't necessarily know a lot about dogs and it's their first dog or whatnot and you know i do little things like check teeth check ears um little things like that that um could be a problem um you have to do it anyway um we learn it in our first aid um to check things like the gums um to see that enough blood is flowing and everything um but yeah recently i told someone that they need to take their dog um to the dentist um because uh one and one of the two teeth um they were particularly bad but yeah that i'd say that's the main one actually i mentioned to people i'm like oh you might need to give them a little bit of a clean that's it really there's not much else okay but i think straight away from my point of view not as a dog owner and not really knowing too much about this except that everybody else around me has always got dogs everywhere Mm. um is that obviously you have extended the idea you're sort of doing a bit of personal care for the dogs and advice for them yeah. for the, or for the owners as much and that I think is probably something that many people who just simply walk a bunch of dogs around don't really do well this is one thing that I do kind of pride myself on is that um, the care is not not with every dog service there are loads of dogs good dog services out there um, I just mean I've had a lot of clients come to me um, and they then start talking about their previous walker um, you know, and they, a lot of them are very rushed and they're just trying to get all the dogs together, bundle them in the car, get them on a walk and then take them back. And, you know, there's no fun in that. Now, I think this is the point that, that um, what you're doing is an extension very much of what most people do, which is simply just, oh, yes, I'll go and walk them for half an hour. Thank you. That'll be £15 or whatever it is that you yeah, charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I certainly have seen, you know, I live near a park and there's uh, various people who walk dogs there and they often have four or five of them at once and of course the dogs all sort of sniff around each other and uh, possibly sort of bite each other and all the rest of it and I've seen this sort of going on and they're having to sort of shout at one of them keep off this one and keep away from that and it basically doesn't seem to be really very well managed I suppose is the answer Uh, For me, I I mean I would just tell I, I tell dog walkers and dog owners in particular all the time speak to people communicate with people on your walk especially if your dog's got particular problem or issues with particular dogs or anything you know if if there's something that you know should be discussed for the better of the possible interaction of your two dogs you should do it um because at the end of the day the dogs can't speak for you yeah well this is i think in this case it's not walking several dogs from one family it's just basically collecting up a bunch of dogs that have agreed to walk and just putting them all together and of course the dogs don't necessarily know each other as it were or anything else yeah so that can be uh, quite a difficult uh, process what i tend to do is um i definitely always give at least one one-to-one um on our first walk just so that i can walk the dog and see what they're like see what they're like with other dogs and get a grip of their behavior um another thing that i like to do when i first get a new client is uh, reaffirm recall if 
they say that they're good to be off lead because no matter what, even if they have got recall training, you need to redo it as the walker because sometimes they think that they can muck around with you because you're the fun person that comes along for an hour and then, and then they kind of forget that you know you need to do what you're told otherwise you're going to get put back on the lead. You're impressing me on this because I clearly you've clearly sort of got it all sorted out and do a lot more than I suspect most of these dog walking companies do. So, um, okay, so just I was going to ask you about some how you promote yourself as a business because you're still a one woman business, are you? Have, you yes, haven't got any, it's just me. Nobody else working for you. Nope, nope. Um, so right now, uh, I literally only use social media. Um, I haven't even got a logo yet. Um, that's all in. Uh, progress right now um, and I will be sorting out my own website I'll probably go through Wix um, but no I'm literally just on Facebook and Instagram at Every Conan Active. Right so and do you get people actually um, you do get people coming to you on the back yeah, of that? Yeah m- most of my work comes from Facebook um, because there's various um, St Albans and surrounding area groups and then dog groups. We know um, those St Albans mums has got about a million followers mm, or something yes. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah groups like that you get a lot of work from. Right okay well we'll um, come back a bit later and talk a bit more about your business and uh, so uh, I'm very interested in it. it sounds very good and very energetic that you're doing it all by yourself though. <laughs> I know somebody else has done that but she's started to employ staff now after a few years I'll tell you about that later. Mm. Okay so so, Gemma, you're talking all about your um, business because you started your own business at the age of 20, which is very impressive to me. And I think um, from what you said, it's obviously um, something that you're doing quite well at. How long have you actually been doing it now? Um, I believe I started in uh, April. So only only this year? Yeah, only only, only this year. Um, I've been doing it prior, um, but not as uh, every canine active, not as a professional thing for um, literally just word of mouth uh, through friends and family and people that mother, uh, other parents at my sister's school. Right, I mean, that's obviously how people start out. Yeah. And it's good, you, you test marketing, that's what you call it, wouldn't mm. you? And obviously if it works, more and more people are coming to you. And you mentioned earlier that um, you're using Facebook, particularly sort of local Facebook groups in St Albans, and that's where you're getting new inquiries from. And how does that work? I mean, what do you get, sort of four, five, six people in a week approaching you, that sort of thing, or is that, um, is that so, too much? So you get people um, post saying, oh, I need this kind of pet care, and then obviously they then get bombarded by people like me going, I've run a business, this is this is my business, look at me, we're great, give me a message. And then they get the, you see it go from, like sometimes I catch it early and I'm like the first comment, but you know, eventually it builds up to like 50 sometimes, and there's, you know, 50 dog walking businesses to choose from, there's loads. But I then had there's no, no idea sh- there were that many, but I suppose it's quite likely, yes. Yeah, um, but then there's no shortage of dogs these days. Um, Indeed. Yeah, everyone wants a pet of some kind. Yes, okay, well, I don't have a dog yet, and you're not going to convince me, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it won't work, it won't work. Um, This is the Generation Gap Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM, and this week my guest here is Gemma, who has started her own uh, business of basically walking dogs, but it's rather more than that, it's about dog care. I think um, I advise you perhaps in terms of how you promote yourself, that it's not just dog walking, because everyone does that. There's lots of people doing that. And you're providing rather more than that. You're doing a sort of personal service of looking over the dog and checking out if it's healthy and all the rest of it, advising the owners. That sounds like something that um, is rather more valuable to people, to me. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert, but... Um, well, yeah, I'm not an expert, but I mean, if, if there's something that I think that they might not know about, um, I will advise them. 
because it's there there are some things you know little things like um there are some owners that don't realize dog, dogs can't eat bread no they, or chocolate oh i think that should be very much common knowledge if someone doesn't know that is it would shock me but yeah that's toxic for them I, I know that because friends of mine told me about how their dog sort of basically at Christmas time, I think, found a box of chocolates and mm. uh, just basically chewed through the whole box and ate everything and then was obviously very seriously ill. Luckily, chocolate these days is most part milk and sugar, so it's not too bad. Because what, what is it in the chocolate that um, affects them? I don't, I don't, don't actually know. know. Not, not the actual chocolate. Um, but I remember I read an article on it and they said, oh, my dog ate all of the Easter eggs and there was like five there, but because it was rel- pretty cheap chocolate... Um, he was fine. <laughs> okay, so cheap ones are the best. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> odd. Right, so now, obviously, you've just started out. It's only a few months, so it's unrealistic, perhaps, to ask you too much about how you expect to um, grow from here. But I think probably the most likely thought I have is that quite quickly you're going to run out of hands to and time to look after all these dogs. And so you presumably have to start getting somebody else to help you. And have you been thinking about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the first thing I'll be looking for in someone is someone to house hop for me, which... House hop? Yes. Ooh, that's an so interesting phrase. Probably what does more, that mean? more likely someone um, close to my age that doesn't have their own home, because once you get your own home, I'm sure you want to spend your time in it, as opposed to just going and hopping into different people's houses each night. But anyone that wants to, you know, go live in... A client's home look after their dog maintain their normal routine um obviously in the day if you're a walker for me you'll have a certain amount of dogs to sort out that day as well but the gist of it is just yeah living in their house and looking after their dog and their um home so i'm just interested i mean obviously now as far as i know you should basically walk a dog in the morning and in the evening maybe do you do it three times a day or two um so with, with my own ones if i have time to uh, give them three i'll give them three um and there are some owners that do want um that extra i yeah i haven't had anyone wanting that um no sorry i just didn't i genuinely don't know um but i i remember also someone telling me they had, they had a dog which they wanted to sort of um, put in some exhibition or some contest mm. and they'd ask their vet about you know how much exercise they should give it and the answer was something like four or five miles a day and this was one of those little tiny dogs with very small legs oh, yeah. and i thought oh, immediately well gosh if it was an alsatian what would that be 20 miles a day or something <laughs> um and again I, I i literally don't know because i have no experience of this but my my impression is that a lot of dogs don't really get the exercise they probably ought to anyway um uh, i mean it's it's hit and miss Uh, i mean you normally find that the more unhealthy dogs um that maybe aren't getting walked so much they also have a bad diet as well um it's normally the combination of both but i mean dogs put on weight really a lot quicker than us um so goodness that must be quick (laughs) yeah a, a, a lot quicker than us um so you know a week without walks they'll probably put on a bit of weight and noticeable maybe you mean people don't actually walk them every day when they obviously ought to i know it must be awful sometimes going out in the pouring rain and all the rest of it mm. and i'm sure the dog doesn't really like it any more than anybody else but it's one of those things that i assume people have to do and it, it gets them out of the house as well doesn't it yeah i mean that's why i love having a dog and i'll never not have a dog or a pet in general because uh, having a dog it forces you out it forces you out into nature it's very calming and it's why I do this job it's an environment I can work with and work in um, as opposed to being stuck in um, a store stacking shelves and just thinking to yourself yes um, 
which is what I struggle with my night shift. Um, but now that my hours are a lot less, it's it's a lot nicer for me. And I can focus on this. So you're slowly moving from having a, an employed job where you're stacking shelves, as you say, mm. uh, to more and more time being spent looking after dogs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now... Which is what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, right now, the, the crossover between the two, it does mean that I am... Uh, quite sleep deprived at times um, and my schedule and t- my patterns in terms of sleep food, water, it's all over the shop I mean I, I look after them and <laughs> forget to look after me. <laughs> yes I can remember that actually when I was a student I worked for a while in, in a pet shop and I always remember this because we used to sell um, horse meat, I don't know if you can even do that these days okay. and it was was for dogs and uh, there was a butcher's next door which obviously sold normal sort of meat for humans Yeah. and we noticed a number of our customers who basically seemed to be doing it the other way around and they were buying horse meat which we suspected they were eating themselves and buying steaks for the dogs <laughs> and uh, we didn't quite work out how to deal with that but yes uh, so i mean people were looking after them, their dogs more than themselves which sounds like you're doing that deliberately or at least you're yeah, it's, not it's, treating it seriously it's not intentional i'm just rushing around trying to do what i can do and then the night shift i've just maintained that because uh, it it's stability whereas the dog walking i don't have a stable stable client base yet um i don't have um a massive amount of people that i can guarantee i'm going to have them every week you know um mm. a few of those have you tried offering sort of contracts for them where you say oh, if you if you take me on so many days a week over the next three months i'll charge you a bit less and per yeah. outfit I mean, I did so I'm suggesting how to run your business now. I did. I know. I did <laughs> consider a, a subscription of some sort. I just didn't know how I would work it. Um, it's going to take a bit more thought. The um, Generation Gap show here on Radio Very Moyle. Almost forgot for a second, and we're talking here with Gemma about um, dogs and her business of looking after dogs, basically. Now you're talking, Gemma, about um, walking dogs, obviously. I think we obviously have some very nice park areas in St Albans, but you've just told me that you quite like going through um, wooded areas, and I know that I've read recently about how for humans walking around in woods is particularly beneficial, apparently. Um, I think it sort of calms you down and things like that, but there's also suggestions that the trees are sort of breathing out oxygen you're taking in and all this kind of stuff. Um, I presume, is that true for dogs? I mean, dogs must find it more exciting running across in in the woods than they do than uh, just running across a field. I mean, not going to lie... That what you were saying about um, being close to the trees and uh, feeling more oxygen—you definitely do feel that um, in the woods. I feel like oh, nice fresh air. Whereas when I'm in a field, there's normally a bit more wind going on. It's just not the same. It's not as um, eerie and magical, I guess. Well, I'm looking forward to going back to Hartwood Forest to see the trees I planted about ten years ago. I mean, I have been back since, but I couldn't really work out where they were. But that's a really sort of excellent idea, and I hope we do more of that sort of thing, growing more forests, because we have lost, obviously, great areas of them. Yeah. The whole country at one time was covered in forests. But that would certainly be beneficial to everyone. I remember seeing a programme about a forest, I think it was in Wales, where they did an experiment, and they basically grew food in terms of sort of berries and other plants in a yeah. forest area. And they proved that you could actually produce more food um, per sort of acre or whatever in, in a woods than you can by any other agricultural system. And I thought, that's great. But oh. obviously it's a bit random. You have to mix things together. Hmm. So it's not quite the same as just planting out a big row of car- carrots or something. And I think we're probably going to learn back into that sort of way of doing things. So it's quite interesting. Another whole subject, I think, to talk about some other time. I'll get back to dogs. So... If you go, I mean, are you taking around several dogs at once? You know, perhaps some um, four or five. Up to six dogs at up a to time. Up to six. 
Um, but obviously, I don't obviously try and take out six dogs every time to make my life easier because it, it just won't. Do yeah. they drag you along a bit if you've got six dogs all in well, different directions? Well, this is the thing. <laughs> I only take out dogs together that match. Um, and if I'm unsure as to whether you know they'll match but i'm convinced that they can at least walk leaded side by side then i'll do the introduction that way um and then maybe let one or both off and see how it goes from there um and that's how i do my introductions um so when you say introductions you're literally introducing the dogs to each other yeah yeah to make sure they go along i mean some people will turn around and say that they're um their dog's fine and everything and you know i i, I take them to meet one dog and then the next week you know i'll take them on a group but to be honest, the whole group walks, it all depends on what dogs I've got, how many dogs I've got that day, and what dogs I've got that day, whether they get along or not. I've heard of someone who's a dog psychiatrist, and I, I frankly laughed, but I get the idea that you can assess behavioural patterns and things in dogs, and I think you're sort of doing that instinctively if you're doing this. I think it's, yeah, I think, I don't know, understanding dogs is all about spending more time with them, um, and I think a lot of it is instinct, actually, because, you know, sometimes I'll look at um, two dogs, even be mine and my partner's dog, I'd be, be looking at them and I'd be thinking, something's about to start there. And then later on, like five seconds later, they'll have a fight over a tennis ball. But, you know, I didn't see the tennis ball. I just saw their eyes kind of change and they're just looking at each other and they just stood still for a bit. And then I, that's the point at which you just take them away from each other because they're going to fight. And um, it's the same. Sometimes you see it with um, the larger breeds. They see um, a little Bichon free running in the field and then you just see their eyes kind of like glaze over into the predatory mode. And, um, you know, they want to chase. <laughs> Yes, I, I must admit, I see sort of dogs running around in the field in the park where I live, and um, I do get a bit worried. I mean, certainly if a great big enormous dog suddenly starts bounding towards me, I get a bit worried. But I also see those big dogs charging after some poor little one. That's and I, I do think, you know, is everybody really aware of this? Because it looks like they could be quite violent. And I don't know if they're going to actually really attack each other, but I guess they can. So this is the thing, and this is um, actually quite an important message, um, in that, you know, dogs can only speak one language woof um and grr um <laughs> and obviously to us we, we just a lot of people just immediately go oh that's that's aggressive oh that let the loads of loud sounds that's aggression it's not you know a dog barking consistently at you doesn't mean it doesn't like you it might actually be barking at you out of impatience because it wants to play with you um and i understand that to a lot of people a large dog barking at them or something or just in their area um can be alarming but just remember that your feelings um, can be projected onto the dog and the dog can sense that and if it feels fear in the air it's going to kind of feel that too you know I've had some people because I've got a German Shepherd um, a lot of people have had history with uh, bad experiences with German Shepherds and um, you know have people go ah! and scream and all sorts or you know so some people run away and I just think this is I don't get you, right, you're entitled to uh, have your phobias and everything else, but realise that, you know, act like an adult and realise that, you know, if an owner's telling you that's the wrong way to go about it, that's the wrong way to go about it, and they're doing it for your sake, not theirs. Well, they are doing it for theirs, it's for their dog's sake as well, because, I mean, someone screaming at a, a dog is a bad experience for them too. 
I get it. Yes, that's interesting. Um, I, <laughs> I said we're getting into dog psychology, which I didn't think really existed, but I, I th I'm beginning to be convinced now. I'm running out of time this week. It's been very interesting to meet you and discuss all these things about dogs, particularly Gemma. So yes. thank you very much for coming in on that. And I think we could probably done another three programmes on this because I'm getting into the whole idea of dog psychology and how you deal with them and so on. And so I certainly wish you luck in your business and um, perhaps we'll get you in again to talk about it sometime in the future. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Generation Gap Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll listen again to the show. You can subscribe from iTunes, Google Play and, of course, from Radio Verulam's own website, radioverulam.com.